It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. It is the 12th of October, 2020, and this is episode 13 of the Right Away Podcast. I got a good bit of writing done last week, but it feels like I haven't written in forever because Thursday... I left at 2 a.m. to drive to the airport, which is generally four and a half to five hours away, given that there's no traffic, which there almost always is. But we've been having roadblocks lately from some protests going on. So I left really early to make sure that I avoided all of those. I picked my friend up at the airport, and it looks like we were going to have as easy a trip back as I had out there, taking about five hours, going a bit different route than I normally do because of construction on the main road and we were less than an hour from my house when we hit our first roadblock and we were there for over three hours and then we were at our next roadblock for another hour so it was past 10 o'clock by the time we got home And so Friday, I felt a bit hungover from the 20 plus hour trip. And then my weekend was spent hanging out with Smalls. But now I have my new iPad and I'm having a delightful time setting it up and enjoying the freedom of not being at my desk. I've spent entirely too much time creating a digital planner that I don't think I need half of the little features I added in. So now I'm planning for my 2021 planner. Uh, but I do love using good notes for my PDF writing things. It's delightful. So today is our first book club. I chose Techniques of the Selling Writer by Dwight Swain, which was a doozy for a first book, as you'll hear in our conversation. I've decided to switch between craft and business books going forward, so next month we'll be reading Money Honey by Rachel Richards. And don't forget to join us uh, in the conversation over at www.rightaway.com. So confession time, who managed to finish this crazy, dense book? Um, Anyone? one sense, like, I- So close. It was so close. I promise I skimmed the last 40%. Um, But there's a good reason for that. Like the first 33% is literally motivation reaction units and scene sequel. And I got to the end of that point. I was like, oh, this book must be done. That was so much. And then I'm like, I am only a third of the way through this book. And then the second third pretty much is still craft, but it's more high level overview characters. And then the third is more business of being a writer. Mm-hmm. I would say, and and a really long appendices. Yeah, and a one really really short chapter in the, <laughs> the best. It, it's the best one. It's like it's a chapter and it's like two pages, and it's literally do this, do this, boom boom, done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What was that about? Was that the that wasn't the one about agents? Selling. Was it? it was selling, it was selling your stories. Selling your chapter stories. nine. It was like yeah. write them and then sell them. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> always just keep mailing stuff out okay next (laughs) and also like do you need an agent (laughs) (laughs) maybe after you sell a few things like you can tell it was written a while ago yeah Yeah. okay but first i forgot to introduce everyone 
So we're going to do that. I know you guys are just want to be floating voices, but yeah. yeah. All right. So we have Lon Varnador. Hello. Say hello. Uh, JP Rindflesh. Yep. Hello. <laughs> and then Marion Hansen. Yep. Hello. Excellent. And we've all met through um, the Author Success Mastermind, and I have captured them for this discussion. And Lon has notes. So he's ahead of the game. Oh, All right. So first impressions, other than awesome, super short chapter. Uh. <laughs> uh, it was just a massive slog, and uh, I actually looked up. I actually looked up how long it was at, on a paperback, and I was like, "It's a li It's it's about it's three hundred fifty pages essentially." It's like. Every other, like, I've got, I collect uh, books on writing and most of them are like 150, 200 mm -hmm. pages, maybe. And it's, it's good, but it's also sort of just so dense and I could easily see scaring off a lot of people who want to be writers, who are very much I... not ready for that. I would definitely agree that this is not a beginner book. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I felt like it was very academic. And so like the academic side of me was like, oh, this is fun. Like, and, but it had so many examples. And so it's definitely, it, it panders to a certain group of people and it will scare off a different group of people. Um, but it's still, even though it was a slog, it was still very useful, even though it's 40 years old. I thought it was well I just I thought it was interesting because my um initial response was it sounds whenever I read uh writers books it seems like they say the same things with different words so I just finished um oh I just finished one that's called like goal motive conflict mm -hmm. and then you have the you know and then you have choice conflict consequence and you have you know and I just thought I feel like I wonder if you need to write read so many uh writer technique books or if you just really need to pick one that's highly recommended and learn it like nobody's business so the interesting so thing about question. that, if we're going to, I'm going to go Becca Symes uh, strengths here. Um, there's definitely a certain personality that has, that will feel that way. Like I, like I just want one or two that cover the basics for me. I'm a number one learner. Like I can never have too many books. I will read a bunch of things that say the same thing in a little bit different way. And one of them will ping for me and the others won't. And so this one pinged for me really well in some really specific instances. Um, and particularly with the scene sequel, which is why I started reading it. And then the motivation reaction uh, unit, which is the worst name mm -hmm. ever. Um, but it also makes sense why this particular thing, probably the motivation reaction unit may not like matter at all to Marianne specifically, because I know some of her strengths, one of them being empathy and what, I found it super useful for, and the motivation reaction unit is simply that 
every story is a sequence of motivation reactions. So motivation and action happens, reaction, how do you react? How does the character react to that thing? And the example he used was a tiger jumps out of the bush. He used better words than this and I probably should have found it to read. A tiger jumps out of the bush. Um, Jack's adrenaline shot up. He lifted the gun to his shoulder and then he fired and said, die. Um, and what he talked about is there's three steps to that reaction. And it was kind of your physiological response, then your knee jerk response. How does your body react after that? And then your logical response. I have a really hard time writing emotion and I have found that particular little snippet so useful in writing emotion that is natural and not, but yet not overdone. Um, because I have so much trouble writing emotion when I put it in, I feel like it's extremely overblown. Um, cause I'm like, I need to make it clear, but I don't know what other people think is clear. And so I put too much in to make sure they get the point. Here's my sledgehammer of emotion. You will understand what this is. Um, and the motivation reaction, um, and he says in the book uh, that you don't need to use all three, but whatever ones you use need to be used in that order. Um, that I have found so useful when I'm like, I don't know what emotion, how to display the emotion I want right here. And so I'm like, all right, motivation, reaction, or just focusing on that reaction unit. That was probably the most useful thing for me. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that like right away. And I changed um, some of the scenes I was working on for Jay's masterclass, um, like within, you know, the day I read that just because there's such a, a fluidity or, or a natural um, sense to it that I just wasn't thinking of. But, you know, once you hit the like, how do people respond to things, you should reorganize how people should be responding to those things. It makes so much more sense. So I definitely took that away immediately. Same here, because I have a problem with exposition. And I realized I just need to start writing react. I mean, not just reactions, but if I if I added reactions and if I added some goals, I don't think I would have as much problem with that. Do you think you have to start with feeling? The first chapter he talks about you have to start with feeling. And I uh, wonder about that. Not everyone, because I would say that like hard sci-fi is way less feeling mm -hmm. um, and and mill sci-fi. Well, I mean, maybe adrenaline and like we're going to win, like victorious feeling like there is a particular feeling that you're looking for there. Um, I think I do think that all fiction is driven by some kind of feeling, um, whether it's hard sci-fi and it's we are going to have the satisfaction of unpacking this scientific puzzle, um, but we're not gonna deal with all of those other emotions, those lesser emotions um, as the brainy types might think. But yeah, I always go looking for a specific emotion from a story for sure. But that is very true of me. I know other people get really upset when there's too much emotion in their books the way they see it but i do still think that they are looking for a particular emotion i mean uh, i i would say when you're when you're starting to write something you don't necessarily need to start with an emotion like you just need to start with something you know a character setting what whatever what have you and I think that the emotion will find you, you will find whatever that emotion is 
as you go through your piece, as you're working. You know, if you don't find it, then maybe you're going to have to go back and say, okay, what emotion am I going to look for? But I mean, for me personally, I, I don't ever really start with an emotion. I don't really start with a feeling. I just going to start with someone's doing something. Okay, we're going to go from there. <laughs> Do you think that you pull that emotion in in editing though, Lon? Yes. That, okay. like that, because I mean, my, my first drafts are always just word vomit. And I mean, second drafts and later on, that's, you know, like I always say, it's like, okay, first draft, just get the story out. Um, the second is you're trying to put in, that's when you can find, like, find the emotion if you haven't really sort of in the back of your head, sort of feel like that's where it is, um, can sort of put it through. Um, he even talks about there's, there was a writer that he met, one of the, one of the, hundred writers he talks about in the book writes something four times the first time is to get it out the second time is to put everything in that wasn't in in the first place third was to take out the stuff that is extraneous and then the fourth time is for polish i think essentially it's really interesting this uh he also is a real fan it seems of like old school pulp writers and I think was an old school pulp writer himself yeah. and it's very interesting because we tend to or the current culture tends to dismiss that as lesser writing and and yet he has a like you said it's very dense it's 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 a slog to get through because there's so much for, for me it was just there's so inf much information you may have had a different experience but there's so much information and so little space um mm -hmm. that it it was not an easy read, but I found it a very good read. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely felt like it's one of those books that you read through and then you keep coming back to it. Um, I definitely view this one as more of like one of the reference books that I would have. Cause I'm a lot mm -hmm. like you, Chris, where I read multiple books and I try to find the little connections between them. And this one I find is almost like an anchor point that will then reach out to the other ones. Um, so I definitely will be going back to this one and I can see it being used through phases of writing. In my defense, I do read a lot on one topic, but sorry, there's a fly, which verbally you can't see, but, um, the, um, but like Watergate, I read everything on Watergate, but for some reason, something on writing, I think with this book, it started to overwhelm me because this mm. is one of my issues I have because I write commercial fiction. And so probably my book will be able to be read six to eight out in six to eight hours uh, faster if you speed up audible kind of a thing. And I'm, and it frustrates me that I'm going to put all of this energy into this. I'm going to go through chapter by chapter and find the, the reactions and find all of these things for my characters and make sure. I, and then, and then someone's going to pick it up and read it in six hours. And demand why you don't have more books done already. Yes. <laughs> and so when I read books like this, I'm just like, I get it. It's hard. And I get it. It's hard. It doesn't matter what you write. It is hard. But man, I want it easier than what this book says it is. <laughs> I, I definitely want to reiterate that this is, I would have, I would have just lain on my bed for a whole week if I'd tried to read this, you know, two, three years ago, I would have just been overwhelmed. Like I can't do it. Like drama, hand over forehead, collapsing. Um, 
And I found that very true with a lot of craft books, that there's a lot of craft books that a lot of people love. Um, like Story Architect um, is one that I haven't gone back to, but at the time that I tried to read it, it was so far above what I was able to comprehend at that time because I hadn't finished anything longer than like 5,000 words. Um, and I didn't have the experience to even start to process most of the information in that book. Um, but it's one that people talk about all the time. And there are other writers early on in their career who have a brain who connect with that book, particularly who are going to do it fine, but not every book is going to work for every writer at every stage for sure. Yeah. Maybe that's why they tell us to keep reading different ones. Yeah. <laughs> Just to drive us slowly insane. <laughs> or to find the one that, that reaches us best. One of the two. Was there anything particularly useful for you, Lon, or was it? Uh, I, it's I'm I'm very much in, and actually, uh, your camp and and JP is like, I actually want to get a hardbound copy of this. I want a paperback copy to get so I can like go back and underline yeah, exactly like like Marianne has. I want to go back and underline different segments because there are some there's some great material in there. There's some great stuff in there and. Um, the, the thing is that, um, I do know that I can go back and I can look at it, you know, go back and I'll, I'll underline the movement, the moment reaction thing. And eventually that might get internalized. And that's something that happens with just all of these different craft books is you just sort of like read them and, you know, eventually you sort of internalize what they have or you don't and you just kind of toss the ones that you don't internalize um and you know you you just have to keep going when it comes to writing and it comes to churning out more and more work yeah i mean i think we're all sort of more commercial fiction writers and we want those we want to put out books that are good but at the same time yeah we're people are going to crank out you know, they're going to crank out, you know, my, like the series that I'm working on, they're working, they're going to crank out that in like five hours, you know, or, or less with Audible. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make it a better book and I'm going to make every book some, you know, I'm going to try every time to get a little bit more craft in there, a little bit better, a little bit better. But I mean, it's, that's more for myself because I know that a lot of readers are just going to be, oh, it's a good book. Okay, cool. You know, throw it away and move on to the next one. So it's it's the the problem with being a writer is you want to put in a bunch of craft. You want to you want to show it's like I see what I did in this book. I did this and this and this and like all the other and like the readers are going to be like, it was good. Yeah, congrats, buddy. You know you you know there's five the, people out there who get it. Like, yeah, there's like five people and most of them are probably writers and they're like, oh, hey, this is a really good, oh my God. And they're going to underline that passage because it was really great. It was perfectly written, blah, 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 blah. And they're going to be like, this is, a, this is an example of how a good book is written because of this. So I'm half joking when I tell people like the reason I write is so that I can talk to other writers, but it's only half joking. Accurate. <laughs> very, very accurate. <laughs> I wanted to read an excerpt um, that was, comes in, I think it's the first chapter. Um, it's kind of talking about what Lon was just going over. And it 
pings off that that first idea where that we're talking about with is feeling should it be the first thing so he says that feeling should be the first thing and then after you find your feeling rules come in handy help you to figure out the best way to capture in words whatever it is that so excites you but the feeling itself must always remain dominant though rules may shape your story you yourself must shape the rules beware too of the other man's rule he sees the world through different eyes thus george abercroft is an action writer start with a fight is his motto and for him it works but Fred Frigenheimer's witch cult yarn, as he conceives it, puts heavy emphasis on atmosphere. The fight he tries to stick in like a clove and a ham at the beginning, following George's rule, destroys the mood and the story. Even with your own rules, indeed, you must be careful, because somehow, subtly, they may not apply to this explicit situation. How do you tell whether a rule is good or not in terms of a specific problem? Answer, find out the reason the rule came into being what idea or principle stands behind it arbitrary rules restrict and inhibit you knowing why sets you free take george's rule about starting every story with a fight it's born of george's markets men's magazines in which the emphasis is on fast violent action with blood on the page one an absolute must if fred only realized that fact he'd ignore george's rule when he himself writes a mood geared story projected this principle means that a writer should have theories on every phase of writing how to get ideas, how to plot, how to build conflict, how to bring characters to life, how to create the right feelings in a given reader. And he should think through and take note of the why behind each and every how. Otherwise, how can he discover the procedures most effective for and best suited to him in terms of his own temperament and tastes? Nor does it matter whether these theories are right or wrong in the view of objectivity or the critics. Their persistent their purpose is only to provide one particular writer with working tools and orientation. Universality is no issue. If an approach works for you, that's all that counts. And I highlighted, I think like 6% of the book out of my allowed 10% by the time I got to 33% and then uh, had to start being very sparing with my highlights so that I could still export them into an email. There's a lot of highlighted in here, um, but it, it is, it makes me trust someone more when they're like rules, I'm going to give you a bunch of rules, but if they don't work for you, then they're not your rules. I think it's an odd way to start a book on rules. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorites all start that way though. Mm -hmm. The Secrets of Story by Matt Bird is another one of my favorites. Another one that I would have been completely overwhelmed by two, three years ago. Yeah, but I think especially with how this comes off so academic, it's very much a, this is my perspective and here's how much I'm going to repeat this. But then at the beginning he says like, but I want you to take my perspective and I want you to turn it into something that's for you. So I feel like this is like a good way to reiterate it, that at the beginning, because I feel like that's important, especially when it comes to things like writing, um, because there is no one right way. I killed the room. <laughs> I was like, I don't no. want to be the one who's always talking. I'm, yeah. I know that I can overwhelm in talking. No, there was, well, no, what I thought was really interesting though, too, is throughout the book with all of these rules, he also says, but learn by doing. Okay, well now go right. And so even though, and it's throughout the book. So it's not at the very end of the book where he says, okay, take this, decide what you want to use and go right. 
he's mentioning that throughout the whole entire thing. It's like, he wants you to keep writing. And then if you find that maybe you need to apply one of these rules that that can easily be done during a revision. Mm. But if you try to just, if you try to buy it, a hard copy. I'm not sure if they're still in print because I had to get mine secondhand. And it's the most fascinating part is to see what this other person highlighted. And there's a oh, chapter coming lovely. up where like the whole chapter is highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> Which chapter is that? It's well, it's the beginning, middle, end, but it's it's a section on oh, I don't even the ending. So this person, I think, had problems ending their story because they have just highlighted the whole ending section. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything yeah. else you guys had in your notes that uh, you wanted to bring up? I liked a quote, but it looks like Marianne was going to talk, so I'll let her. No, no, go, go ahead. Um. So I personally uh, like a quote. It was actually just a couple of pages after your excerpt. Um, and it's the day you mute yourself or moderate yourself or repress your proneness uh, to get excited or ecstatic or angry or emotionally involved. That day you die as a writer. And for me, I think like the reason why I like that quote so much is just like, there is this focus to try and get everyone to like your work and like I, I also do art and realistically art is not for everyone and if you make it to pander to everyone it almost becomes this dead piece of you know store-bought art and so I feel like it's kind of a, a reminder to yourself and to others that like what you write may not resonate with everyone but who it resonates with as long as it resonates strongly even if that's just yourself that's good writing and so that's kind of what I took out of it. I have that quote highlighted as well. I think he says that throughout the book too, to remember that. And to remember your audience, he, talk, he talks about his audience and how you're kind of writing to yourself because you should be the type of person who would read your own book. <laughs> I know I've had a really good friend of mine. I'm like, will you read this? She goes, I... I don't like that subject matter. Like I, that's not the type of book I read. And she go, and she's like, I'll read it. I'm not going to like it. <laughs> she's honest at the start. I know. And when she gave it back to me, she's like, you, you're a decent writer, but I, I don't like this. I don't like this genre. What can I tell you? I'm like, okay, I'm going to go find someone else. <laughs> I'm find homeless people in the street, throw books at them. <laughs> I'll be back in a week. You better have finished it. <laughs> and then we're going to discuss it and you're going to like it. I'll take you out to lunch. <laughs> and, then, and then just, you know, randomly have an Amazon open for review. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to do that. Never mind. <laughs> Mon, anything for you? Um, not, not, not that I can think of, but he didn't uh didn't uh quote anything so um i just reiterate what you guys have all said well thank you for joining me on this adventurous first 
book for this book club. Um, We will decide soon what the next book will be. Can it have pictures? (laughs) (laughs) Illustrations, please. (laughs) I think Dr. Seuss is up, right? (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much for letting me into your head this week. If you find the content I share useful, you can buy me a coffee at coffee.com slash Chris Kane. That's ko-fi.com slash C-R-Y-S-C-A-I-N. And don't forget to hit subscribe.